0: Hi, I'm Randy Heckman. Welcome to the Grand Awakening Podcast. Our heart here is to do all that we can to incline the heart of our Sovereign Lord, to pour out His Spirit and power, in power, reviving His church here in West Michigan, in our state, and in our nation, leading to a great spiritual awakening, all for His glory. But first, it's critical that we listen to what God is saying to us, and that we quickly and cheerfully respond to God's instructions in humble obedience. Today we speak with Pastor Adam Barr, who recently started a unique church here in the Grand Rapids area that's greatly and positively impacting our community. Well, it is certainly my pleasure to introduce a friend uh, in the ministry and uh, just I've gotten to know Adam Barr um, in the last few months I think it's been and and, uh, just really appreciate his heart for the Lord. Well, let me tell you a little about Adam. But first, just say welcome, Adam, to this podcast.
1: It's really great to be here. Thanks for having me, Randy. It's, ah, it's pleasure. going to be a great time.
0: Adam, uh, along with his wife, Jen, uh, founded a church called Inheritance. Interesting name. We'll kind of talk about that sometime. Good. He calls it a church multiplying movement located in Kier Grand Rapids, Michigan. And, uh, of course, uh, this is not his first church. In addition to 20-plus years in the ministry in the local church, Adam uh, speaks. He's published about Christianity and culture. Uh, He helps followers of Jesus pursue mission in an increasingly post-Christian society. We're going to be talking about that. Yeah. And you've got four sons, you and your wife. No daughters, huh? All All boys. All boys. How old are they?
1: 18,
0: 16, 14, and 12. Oh, so they're easy, easy. Just (laughs) teenagers, almost teenager.
1: (laughs) You know, it's funny how much life, uh, you keep thinking things will get simpler. Yeah. You you realize they don't. That's right. It's
0: It's fun, though. You've also uh, been doing some writing. You wrote a fascinating book that's very timely, um, How the Gospel Frees Us to Love Our Gay Friends Without Losing the Truth. I really like that. Thank you. Published by Bethany. Yeah. And uh, you've done other references. You're working on some stuff right now in writing, aren't you? Well, what's what's yeah, that? Yeah. What, what are you doing?
1: Well, you know, for me, it's, it's um, the writing is just a, it's a way to keep learning. I think as a leader, you always have to be learning. Sure. Um, and uh, it, it gives me, you know, I've done a lot of school. And uh, this is sort of a way to get an extra, extra bout of school and uh, hopefully have an impact on the kingdom. So.
0: Oh, that's good well i appreciate yeah. that and uh tell us just a little bit about the church that you founded it wasn't long ago was it how how long ago did you did you found the uh the inheritance church
1: yeah we started inheritance in january of this year wow. uh, i had been for 10 years at a church just south of grand rapids in right between caledonia and middleville <laughs> and uh, was there for sort of a church revitalization project Uh, we came in there in 2010 my wife and i and our boys our guys were just little boys at the time and we we walked through a process of kind of helping them get back on track find a vision become missional and we saw a lot of growth uh, at inheritance uh, walked through some big processes did some building projects and we had a great time there and really reached a point where i felt like uh, the work that God had called us to do there at Peace Church mm-hmm. had been completed. Uh, we had a great pastoral team, and uh, the guy who was serving as as my executive pastor was really ready, I saw, to step into that lead pastor role. He was ready to take on the duties of preaching and leading mm-hmm. staff and mm-hmm. giving direction. So we approached our leadership um, at Peace. We shared our hearts and what God was doing. Uh, Jen and I had really felt called that it was time to start something new, uh, a different Mm -hmm. kind of thing Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. than what we had been doing, Uh, not because we thought what was before was not right. We just felt like it's time to do some experimenting with how to continue multiplying the church in a post-Christian culture. And so uh, we went to the leadership, we talked with them, and they were fully behind what God was doing and ended up uh, sending us out, supporting us. And they're giving us support through uh, June 2022. So it was a wonderful, not, not a parting of the ways, but a sending out uh, for us. And so we moved about 20 minutes away from where the church we had been at for 10 years is located. I'm happy to say that Peace Church is still flourishing. Uh, they went from about a 1,000 when we were there to now they're up over 1,200. Mm. Uh, so they continue to grow and do well. And it's, it's so exciting to see what God's doing there. Mm. But we we founded Inheritance in, in January, launched into services, and we've been experiencing growth um, in some exciting ways. And uh, what we are all about, really, we sum it up with three things, real truth, real power, and real community. We're seeking to say, what does it look like to really mm. – have a church that stands firm in the Word of God, but then also is helping people to encounter uh, the power of God in the context of community. Because we feel like uh, now more than ever, the church needs to operate in the power of the Holy Spirit uh, as we seek to reach the world that we're in. Hmm. Hmm.
0: So, And you, the name inheritance. Yeah, name yeah inheritance. where do you get that from? I was curious. Yeah, well,
1: you know what, for me it was about realizing just Uh, how much we have in the gospel, how much Jesus has given us. Um, You know, the cross is the very center of the gospel, but it's not the final word of the gospel. Mm -hmm. Jesus, who was crucified, was also raised from the dead. And when he was raised from the dead and ascended to heaven, he did this incredible thing. He took us there with him. You know, we are seated with Christ in God, we read in Colossians chapter 3. That's right. And that means that we, as God's people, we have access to to his divine power, and and he gives us that power through the Holy Spirit. And so a lot of times you you look at the church today, and we're kind of like someone who's sitting at a dining room table. There's bills everywhere, and they're stressed out, wondering how they're going to ever pay their bills. And they don't realize that sitting right next to them is an envelope with a check for $5 Mm. Uh, all their problems are going to be solved. They have more resources than they're aware of if they just would would realize it. So we want Christians to access the incredible inheritance that we have in Jesus. And so we're really, we're focused on people, not as much on programs. We're looking at how do we acce- uh, help people accelerate? Many of them have the right beliefs, but getting them to the place of they understand how to access that power that we have through the person of the Holy Spirit. So that's that's in a nutshell what I we're seeing. I love
0: it. That's neat. Thanks, brother. Thanks. That's really exciting. So you've only been going for about nine months. You started in January.
1: Started in January. We we, we rented a place that we thought uh, there was a, a little room in a large uh, auditorium. We thought we'd be in that room on, through March, but our very first Sunday, it was literally a standing room only crowd. Wow. Uh, yeah, so we had to rapidly move into the auditorium and double the next Sunday, and it's it's continued to grow. and. Those things are great and exciting, but what's really for me, real exciting, is what we have going on with, with our community groups and getting people out of the building. That's really yeah. our focus. Is saying church See, that's, that's is That's
0: pretty unique for America today, isn't it? I mean, the the model that we've kind of absorbed here in America is pack them into our building, and that's where everything happens. And um, but you apparently have a different view of that. in fact, you call it a church multiplying movement D- describe right. that what 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 are you talking about? a church well, multiplying us, movement what is that?
1: Yes, yeah, yeah, for me it's uh there was there was a big um a moment for me where I realized uh, in pastoral ministry where I realized you know there's a model that we have right now for church, and uh if you do it well, you can grow a church you can grow a church very. To, to be quite large, right. if you're yep. well organized, if yep. you provide the kind of programming that people want to bring their kids to when you do those things. And that is one way to organize a church. And I think it, it, it bears, it's, it, it's borne a lot of fruit. So I, there's nothing wrong with that. But as we look at the, what's going on in our culture, I think it's going to take more of a focus on people than programs. And for me, you know, you look back at the Reformation and the the story of the Reformation was the reclamation, was the reclamation of the doctrine that we're saved by grace through faith alone. So that that incredible doctrine of justification. Mm-hmm. I think um, that we are living in a season where God wants to radically activate the priesthood of all believers. I believe our greatest resource is the person of the Holy Spirit dwelling within the hearts of believers. And I think if we can activate people, and especially those people who are, are hungry for it, they're in, I think a lot of those people, you know, in, in current church models, we take the people who are really committed and we say, okay, here's a T-shirt, here's a curriculum, go serve in this program and help sure. uh, and, and volunteer, and, right. and hopefully one day you'll, you'll tithe and, mm-hmm. and, you know, you'll be, you'll be a committed member at that point. I think a lot of times the, 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 the benefit of that is that you give people purpose and direction and you you lay it out for them. But I think the danger of that is we pull people out of their everyday world. Mm. You know, the church was meant to be a people movement, right. uh, not an institutional mm-hmm. movement. And so for us, the, the idea of rapidly multiplying, it, it's centered in multiplying leaders and people who who grab a hold of the, the, the vision of the church. Yeah. And and equipping them and then supporting them so that they can do that in many places. So, for instance, we already have our first multiplication happening right now in Chicago. Um, There's a a friend who's a leader down there. Uh, He's actually on our on our team. And he's he just started last week gathering a group of people uh, in his home who are uh, studying the word together, uh, uh, engaging with some of the resources that we have. And and really uh, helping them to catch that vision that the the life of the kingdom Mm -hmm. is lived outside Mm -hmm. the four walls of a building. Yeah,
0: that's good. That's good. Uh, I used to go to Crossroads Bible Church downtown. Rod Van Salkma, pastor. Great church. And in fact, I was on staff there for about six years. And uh, Rod said, hey, we're a 90-10 church. Only 10% of who we are happens on Sundays, 90% has to happen during the week. And don't view this as a stage and audience, folks. This is more like a locker room, okay? I'm the coach, (laughs) you're the players. Get out there and get the job done. And it was kind of funny. uh, I interviewed him on a previous podcast. Even, again, I'm an executive pastor there, trying to manage the budgets. And he said, all right, for the next two weeks, just to underscore this point, don't even show up at our building here go to your neighborhood and you know communicate with neighbors. I was okay with that, okay? But then when he went on to say, and the money you were <laughs> gonna to give to our church, give it somewhere else. <laughs> that was a little yeah. bit hard for the executive pastor, but sure. it all worked incredibly well. In fact, one of those weeks was was March and my 40th wedding anniversary. Wow. And we did invite our neighbors. And as a result of that, a number of them came to faith in Christ eventually, and we were involved in Bible study and that sort of thing. So, you're 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 ringing the bell. You know, yeah. you talk though about a post-Christian culture. There are a lot of people that say, "Wait a minute, we got a lot of Christians in America." We're look at all the churches we've got. We're a Christ.
1: Talk talk to us about that. Sure. Well, um, we, we do have a lot of churches in America, but um, statistically speaking, uh, there are no more Christians in America than there were a decade ago. Mm. If you think about that, that's pretty stunning. You think about these huge churches that we have, these mega churches. So, you know, think about uh, churches around Dallas. You think about uh, some of the, the big churches in California and these these places where you can point to 20,000 people who gather. Even in those counties, there's not a single county in America that has more Christians in it today than it did um than it did a decade ago um you can take a look at uh the the growth in in churches in general and i won't go through all the stats but right now we're at a place where literally only one percent of churches in america are growing at greater than replacement rate so that's i'd say that's one thing the the first thing you have to do is say okay yeah we do have a lot of churches but um are those churches growing your average church in america has less than 100 people in it Mm -hmm. so it's easy to point especially in a marketing age and an age of social media uh, to these these mega places and these mega churches, but um, the church as a whole isn't in a really healthy place. And then you take a look at the attitude of our culture towards the church, and that's yeah. where you see major shifts happening. Mm. Um, you can take a look at kind of three big epics in the history of our country, and there's there's the, the period where the attitude towards the church was positive. I mean, you can even go back and you see guys who were deists like Benjamin Franklin and some of the other founders – who said, you know, we need to be a Christian nation for this republic that we found it to work. Um, And so there was a positive attitude that really stretched through even mid 20th century. But then you you take a look and I I look back at the moment, like the the British invasion, right? The Beatles and, and this massive cultural shift. And there was a move from positive like the church is a positive force to more of a neutrality. Um, of course, anybody who pays attention to the news right now, you're going to take a look and see we've moved from the culture, especially the culture shaping forces of media mm-hmm. and education and government, and you you see there's a, a shift from the church being viewed neutrally to now, really in many ways the church is at odds with where our culture oh, yeah. wants to go. Yeah. So, so in that sense, that that requires a new way of us approaching people. It's actually an old way. It goes back to the beginning when we were sort of a minority population in the Roman empire. Right. We've got to find a way where people encounter the church by encountering real people, because here's the news, newsflash. Um, from a public uh, relations standpoint, we're not necessarily cutting it.
0: <laughs> no, that's right. We're viewed as bigots, haters, and, you know, people want to be free, you know, and they want to be free from police. You know, they, they want to defund the police, but they also want to get rid of religious authority that keeps telling them to behave and change their behavior. And and they want to be free to be whatever gender they want to be, et cetera, et cetera. And again, not right. that we hate them, but it would seem to me that, uh, we, as you say, we've lost the edge of... And yet it's kind of interesting that in nations like China and Iran and now Afghanistan and other places where Christians are are really facing persecution, the church is growing. Yeah. But in America where things have been easy and, yeah, I do. Yeah, I'm a Christian. I I go to church. I follow Jesus, at least on Sundays. And the rest of the week, it's pretty much about me. And what is God saying to us? At this point in time, what, what, you know, what what is he trying to communicate to the to the body of Christ, to Christians in America, through what's been going on, and as you talk about the decline that we've had, what would you say that is on God's heart for us today?
1: I think there are a few things. I think uh, one of the things that he's saying is that we need to reclaim um, what is the heart of our faith, which is an actual vital relationship with the Lord. Mm. Um, You know, in so many ways, the danger of institutional Christianity is that we become institutional units rather than people who are in a covenant relationship with the Father. And so you take a look at the entire inheritance of the gospel, right? What is it all about? Well, you can look through the entire Old Testament, and the whole message of the Old Testament is that when the kingdom of God comes, God's going to send his Holy Spirit and it won't just be a select group of people who are the mm-hmm. priests who take mm-hmm. care of offering up sacrifices. It's going to be every single believer. Go to places like Jeremiah where he says, you know, the, the spirit will dwell in you and he will whisper in you, uh, whisper to you, go this way and not that way. Mm-hmm. Um, the the, it, the it relationship, the intimate relationship that Jesus had with his 12 disciples where they interacted with him and had an interactive relationship that involved him directing them and showing them things and helping them to go out on mission that relationship was never meant to stop it was meant to be actually accelerated through the gift of the holy spirit true and so so i think we as christians first of all we have to get away from this idea that christianity is about a set of ritualistic activities that we do and we need to reclaim the inheritance that we have that it's meant to be a vital relationship where we're walking just as jesus did he said i don't do anything unless i see my father doing it Hmm. we need to be doing that
0: so in fact, at prayer meeting this morning that you attend when you're able to on Wednesday yeah. mornings, um, we talked about that thing. And, and just that so many of the denominations some mentioned this denomination or that or whatever, where they kind of push back on that third person of the of the Trinity. I mean, yes. Uh, yes, the Holy Spirit is part of that, but but just kind of a fearfulness or a sense that, yeah, we don't quite get that too much, so we're just going to stick to the Father and the Son, and uh, uh, but we desperately need, I mean, just look at the, the disciples, yeah. you know, they, they were rather pathetic until Pentecost, <laughs> and then they became very bold. Yes. And so we need that third person of the Trinity to be filled with that. I was thinking of John, one of my favorite scriptures is John 7, 37, those who believe in me out of their innermost bellies, says Jesus, will flow rivers of living water, this he spoke in yeah. the Spirit that had not yet been given. And right. we need those rivers, don't we, to talk to Absolutely. lovingly, talk to the people in our culture that need him.
1: Yeah. Yeah, God wants us, uh, it, you know, it's what do you do when it's not going to be enough to hang out a sign and say, here's our church. And that's not going to draw people anymore. Yeah, that's right. Uh, what are you going to do when people are are literally told by, by m- people who have much bigger budgets than any local church? Yep. Uh, they're given messages through the media and so many other places that Christians are a little bit crazy, a little bit dangerous. They're not really yeah. loving. They're yeah. kind of hateful. They're regressive. And there are these messages about what Christians are. And it's one thing to to put that and frame it on a TV screen. It's, an, it's a screen. It's another thing. If you actually meet a Christian, if you actually meet a, a person who loves Jesus, because the truth is we actually have something to give. Yeah. Uh, we have real life, um, and so so reclaiming the person of the Holy Spirit and the the life of the Christian, I believe, is central because, first of all, because it allows us to be someone who's not just uh, executing a program. You know, everybody in our culture is used to being sold something. That's right? right. Yeah, you can't even open your cell phone and go on Facebook or wherever without being sold something. You face a thousand different commercials. Um, people in our culture are used to people saying, trying to convince us of their ideological position. We live in an age of just all kinds of ideology. People, people trying to get you to support this cause or that cause. And and so, us, if if we settle for for marketing or ideology being the leading edge of how people encounter Jesus, we're just going to be one more voice in the marketplace. That's right. But if we actually can reclaim. What I think our culture has lost, and that's the ability to make genuine human connection with people and there not be an agenda. You know, There's not the agenda of I want something from you or I want you to be just like me. There's the agenda of the Father, a heart of love and compassion. Mm. I think we're gonna have something that you don't see in the culture.
0: Yeah, and and don't you think that part of showing that love certainly is the relational piece but there are so many needs in our culture as well. Absolutely. That yeah. we can begin to meet those needs. Like the early church, you know, as people would abandon children, they'd say, ah, oh, we didn't want that female, and they put it on the city dump. The Christians would would adopt those kids and, and meet human needs that are out there, legitimate human needs, just because that's what we do. Not that we want to ignore the gospel. We've got to do it right uh you know by also you know with the content the gospel has yeah. content but how yeah. about the other piece the piece of unity you know it seems to me that that our arch enemy satan one of his big agenda items certainly one is discouragement in in people but another one is to divide and conquer yeah to to you know separate you know how jesus said in john 17 uh three times in four verses that will be one and ultimately that that will may you may you be perfect may they be perfectly one as he's praying to the father that they will know that you sent me says jesus to the Mm -hmm. father and that you love them the world as much as you love me i mean it's an incredible power but there's a lot of disunity isn't there in the church today
1: well there is and again that's you know you take a look at um at the church and, and the danger of being in the culture mm-hmm. and being in the world and yet not of the world, that tension is always difficult for us. Yeah. And so the the story of the 20th century is, is, a, is really in, in many ways, the church employing uh, the institutional approaches of the world, marketing, all these kinds of things, which obviously tools can be used in all kinds of different ways and right. be positive for us. Right. So we're not anti-culture. The danger is when we become overly reliant on those things, then we lose our salt right mm-hmm. and i would say that in the church today one of the big cultural forces that we have to actively resist is the cancel culture of the world that's around us right and because right now um, people are making waves and they're they the they you know everybody can be a celebrity on a youtube channel or on their facebook page and uh, we they, they make waves. They d- usually don't do it by saying, oh, look at this person over here, who I don't necessarily agree with, but they have a lot of good things to say. No, the way that people make waves is by pointing the finger at another person, calling them out and saying why they're so wrong. Yeah. And it, to me, that's one of the most uh, discouraging mm. things in the church, especially the you know when you look at churches that are centered in a, a, a d- deep love for Scripture, a love for the gospel, an understanding of salvation through Jesus Christ, right? There are so many of these Christians, and yet then we we divide ourselves up along these lines that we take as I'm not saying they're unimportant, but they're definitely secondary, and somehow we import them into the middle, and then we we kind of be, we form a circular firing squad, and you see it happen yeah. all the time, and it it. it Anytime I hear, especially, you know, uh, brothers or sisters with with a big platform calling out other Christians, this kind of call-out, cancel culture, I think we have to to just really
0: resist it. Yes, yes. I totally agree. I mean, Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount, he says, I tell you to love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. I mean, these are people that are, you know, not— on our side at all, but we right. do that for people who are on our side, but we disagree over this little doctrinal thing. Uh, again, well, truth is important, obviously. Amen. And you know, you wrote a book on that that <laughs> issue of of what do we do with with a with a Christian. Let, let's just deal with that for a moment, okay? Of, yeah. yeah. I mean, there's a lot of division uh, in in the church today as to same sex marriage. Uh, gender, you know, changing your gender and being whatever gender you want to be and that sort of thing. Right. Uh, again, Jesus has truth. Marriage is created by God as between a man and a woman. We agree on that, right? Right. And, uh, and yet someone who disagrees with us, we don't have to hate them. No. And someone who has, you know, gone through sex change or whatever. I mean, it, there is sin involved, but we're all sinners, and so we don't quit calling sin, sin, but we don't hate the sinner. Yeah.
1: Unpack that well, a little bit more. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, and that's why we call it the book Compassion Without Compromise. Um, it's, and, and we put the gospel at the center of it all. Because the, here's the amazing, the amazing message of the gospel is that we don't deserve God's love. That's true. We don't deserve his mercy. Every person... Left to ourselves, we des- we deserve God's judgment. Even, you know, my grandma, who I love, right? I mean, it doesn't matter how wonderful a person yeah. is in the natural self. All of us have chosen to go our own way, the Bible says. We've That's all right. sinned. We've all fallen short of the of right. the glory of God. Yeah. So that creates a very level ground for every single person. And what the gospel then does is say, but nobody has gone so far from God's will or God's way that they can't be welcomed back in through the doorway that the cross provides.
0: That's so true.
1: And that isn't just the basis of our salvation. That becomes the basis of our continued ongoing relationship with with Mm -hmm. the Lord. Mm -hmm. You know, we continue to be uh, saved by him. We we continue to be sanctified by his grace. Our status has radically changed, not because of us, but because of who he is. And so what that does, what it should do for every single person is give us such a deep level of of humility and compassion for those who struggle Mm -hmm. because if we even for a moment if we look at our lives it just takes you know think for one second where would i be without grace yeah uh where would i be without the blood of jesus Mm -hmm. and that allows us not to approach any other person from a place of of inherent superiority It allows us to approach every single person as someone who's simply been given a light that we want to share with them as well. That's really
0: good, Adam. That's great. Thanks. So, Adam, you know, you're involved with this, uh, our weekly prayer meeting, you know, that our ministry is about seeking revival of the church, leading to a great spiritual awakening in our local area, spreading to our state, to our nation. What stands between where we are right today— Mm. and that revival of the church and then the awakening that we are be, we've been praying for what's what 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 has to happen what's the pro, what's the obstacle that we need to push through as followers of
1: Christ I think we all need to push through the obstacle of Christianity as usual that sounds simple it's a it's a truism but we um a lot of us, we've been given this this idea that 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 that, uh, that religion is a slice of our life, that we show up and we do this thing, and it's the pastor's job to minister to me, and yeah. then I go live my life.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But the real the real message of the gospel is that the moment you become a follower of Jesus, you have been given a ministry to reach the world, mm-hmm. and not only have you been given a call. Uh, I, I go back to this just because I think this is, I honestly do believe the, one of the most neglected aspects of our Christian faith and life by the church in America is our, our failure to develop our relationship with the person of the Holy Spirit. Okay. I believe that reclaiming the, the full gospel is absolutely at the heart of what we're doing. You know, you look at how Jesus ministered and he ministered through proclamation You know, he obviously he preached and he would give he would give a message. The kingdom of God is here. But he didn't just give a message. He also ministered through demonstration. Mm. Right. It was a demonstration of the power of the Holy Spirit in that beautiful passage in Luke four where where he says, I'm here to set the captives free. I'm here to heal blind eyes. You know, Jesus never went and unlocked literal prison doors, but he set so many captives free and he set them free from what? From the kingdom of Satan. Yeah. And so i think we as the christian and we as as believers first of all we need to look at our own lives and say where are the strongholds in our own lives where are we still under the dominion of satan and we need to draw i believe absolutely on the supernatural power of the person of the holy spirit to actually experience transformation and i think the, the the biggest barrier to uh, not only the church being awakened, but the world wanting what we have to give is our, our Christians who are not activated, Christians who are not living free. Mm-hmm. You know, they, we say we, we preach a gospel of freedom, it's good news. Well, what's the good news? The good news isn't simply that we go to heaven when we die you know this this otherworldly gospel Mm -hmm. the good news is that there is a different kind of kingdom that you can dwell within that you don't have to live with the emotional brokenness that you live in the emotional immaturity that you live in the past wounds that you have i'm sorry i'm starting to preach here i'm gonna go for it but i mean the the truth is when the world looks at us we don't look all that different from them that's good and I'm not saying this as a word of condemnation. Yep. I'm saying that there is a, there is an. this is why we call our church inheritance. There's so much more mm. that we can experience when it comes to our, in our own lives, being set free. Mm. And then, you know, it was proclamation, it was demonstration, and then it was invitation. Jesus would invite people into this. Yes. Um, I think until we ourselves have stepped into the fullness of what is available to us in the in the power of God through the person of the Holy Spirit, it's going to be hard for us to invite people into it because they won't they won't see it. Mm-hmm. You know, um, about a year and a half ago, uh, I was in prayer. And um, the Lord just spoke to me in a really clear way. He said to me, Adam, you're like, and this is after 20 years of pastoral ministry. And I was, a, I was, I love Jesus my whole life. I mean, I sinned, I fell short and all those sure. sorts of things. But I was one of those kids who just, I loved reading the Bible and I loved I was always seeking the Lord. But he said to me, Adam, you're like a, a, someone who's offering people a tour to the peak of Mount Everest when you haven't yet been out of the foothills of the Himalayas.
0: Mm. Mm. <laughs> mm. Ouch.
1: And that's that, Well, it sounds like an oucher, but it actually was an invitation. It was an invitation to experience more of who God is and what he has for us. And how
0: did that happen for you?
1: And it happened for me through the very thing that I'm talking about. Um, a deeper experience of the Lord's presence in my life, a, a deeper encounter with the person of Jesus Christ. It happened with me understanding and recognizing that um, even within my own heart and life, and I preached, I've preached; i preached on grace, and I, pre- I preached a 16-week series on the book of Galatians. So I I believed all the right things about grace, but the Lord had to show me areas in my own life where I had been founding a lot of what I was doing on this this desire to kind of prove myself to God. I had to face my own stronghold of self-righteousness. I had to face my old stronghold of fear of rejection okay. and fear of man. Mm-hmm. And these sound like these to some people they might sound like esoteric ideas, but this it, it's Jesus you know what Jesus offered was actual new life. That was what that's what that's what made people want to to step into the gospel. And so if we don't actually have that as Christians, how in the world are we going to offer it mm-hmm. to, to people out there? And what happened to me was just fully understanding, realizing and recognizing that the the love that God had for me in the person of Jesus Christ, surrendering to that love in a deeper way, and out of love of him, saying, I want every moment of my life to be devoted to you, Lord.
0: So it was really a point of total surrender, would you say? Right,
1: yeah, total surrender to the purposes of God. Okay. Surrender to his love and surrender to the reality that this is, this is mine, not because of a set of religious activities, not because it's my job to stand up and preach the gospel on Sundays, not because of anything that I've done. It's mine just because, because he loves me in Christ. That's really good, Adam. So let's just
0: say that somebody's watching this or listening to this podcast and right. And they say, "Ooh, you're ringing my bell. I, yeah. I've been kind of mediocre. I, I want more of God. I, what, what would you tell them to do? What, what, yeah. Where, where should they go? I mean, if they can't go to Inheritance Church or talk right. to you, where should they go to 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 move to that next step to get that fullness of the Holy Spirit to to get total surrender of their life so that they're on that plane where they're." They're being used by God in a more powerful way to, to impact the, the needy lives around them.
1: I would say to go to the Gospels. Um, you know, when you read the Gospels, you're seeing a lot of things, but I would I would want to point to two things you see when you're reading the Gospels. One of the first things that you're seeing is you're seeing the heart of the Father. When you see Jesus you see God. Mm -hmm. When you see how Jesus responds to people, you see how God the Father wants to respond to you. And in in some ways, I I would say, I've heard someone else say this before, that Jesus is perfect theology. (laughs) So our view Mm. of the Father has to be fully understood through the lens of the ministry of Jesus. And so I spent like a year just continuously reading through the Gospels again and and again and again and again and again. I don't know how many times I read through them, but just looking at Jesus and saying, what does this tell me about the father? And then here's the incredible thing that Jesus said to us before he died. He said, I'm going to go to my father. I'm going to give you my Holy Spirit. And then you're going to do even greater works than these. That's right. And so Jesus doesn't just show us what God is like and what the father is like. Jesus shows us the potential that lies within every single believer. Isn't that amazing? Every yeah. it's, it's yeah. yeah, it's it's incredible. It is incredible. Yeah.
0: That's great. Oh, I love it, Adam. Well, there's a lot more we could cover here. Yeah. But I wonder if you you would close us in prayer. Pray for yeah. God to move in the the hearts and lives of so many Christians that are just you know, just not fully engaged with God and it, it's like Satan is rubbing his hands and saying, I'm yeah. just going to hold him down. And, and, but he's a defeated foe. And greater is yeah. he who is in
1: us than he who is in the world. So Amen.
0: close Amen. us in prayer,
1: would you please, brother? Sure. Father, we love you. And we just thank you so much that you've shown us your love in Jesus Christ. Lord Jesus, we thank you for shedding your blood for us. Jesus, we thank you that when you went to the cross, you took all of the Father's displeasure yeah. for our sins. You took it all. So there's none left over so now we can know the love of the father just as you know the love of the father Mm -hmm. and we thank you for sending us your holy spirit dear holy spirit we thank you for dwelling within us yeah we thank you that you don't lose patience with us Mm -hmm. that you're just waiting for us to turn and so lord we we surrender our hearts to you we surrender our lives to you lord we repent of empty works uh we repent of just busyness 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 yes and and activity 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 lord in so many ways lord the church we've we've packed people's lives with activities but we haven't transmitted the ways lord that we can enter into moment by moment fellowship with you so lord would would you please Mm -hmm. by your mercy and grace bring an awakening to the church yes lord Help us to understand that everything that we can possibly do, Lord, it only flows out of your presence. Mm. It only flows out of our connection to you. And I pray, Lord, that you would also just reawaken our hearts to the incredibly good news that you're always ready, willing and able to meet with us and to draw us to yourself Mm. so that we might be sent out just as Jesus was. In your name, we pray these things. Amen.
0: Amen. Amen. Adam, great stuff, boy! God Thanks, bless brother. you and your church, Thanks, your friend. family, thank you. your ministry. I really and believe. thank
1: you for your work, brother. I just yeah. got to say to yeah. everybody's listening: you know, Randy is the real deal. He has had enormous impact on on. So many leaders in the kingdom, and not least of, of which, he's impacted my life. So, Randy, I'm I'm so grateful for you, brother.
0: Well, thank you, Adam. But coming right back at you, I'm just so <laughs> proud to be your brother, and excited that you're part of what God is doing here in West Michigan. Amen. God bless thank you. you, sir. Thanks. God bless.